0: Hello everyone, I'm Steve Wiss and I'm joined by Jonathan for Doug Brown. This is the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. It's been uh, two or three weeks, uh, my friend, since we've uh, combined on, on this particular uh, podcast. Uh, in the meantime, we've had uh, a good interview with Tim Capel and you've been wondering to pastures new, uh, I do believe, uh, an appearance on the Guardian Weekly Football Podcast. Uh, it was great to hear you on there. Uh, but how, how how are things uh, been treating you, uh,
1: Jonathan? Hi, Steve. Hi, everyone. Yeah, don't worry, I'm not abandoning uh, this ship. I'll always be loyal to the Nordic Football Podcast. But, uh, yeah, it was nice to be invited by, by um, the Guardian Football Weekly. Obviously, the biggest football podcast out there in the world. Um, number one on all channels. So I've had a big, quite a big feedback, to be honest. Um, a lot of random people on LinkedIn hitting me up and a lot of random requests and things like that uh new followers so it's been been really nice um but uh yeah it was it was fun but i'm back back to uh back to business now Meet and drink it it, it,
0: it was me thinking of a transfer out of the nordic football (laughs) podcast
1: i got a high release i've got a high release clause mate it was
0: too (laughs) too too much for the board to reject
1: Planning yeah. to negotiate any contracts, Steve. We're uh, going to be in crunch talks, mate, in the next few weeks. <laughs> I want a higher, higher appearance fee,
0: <laughs> promotion bonus.
1: it's but it was good, and uh, hope anyone who listened to it enjoyed it. And of course, uh, you know, couldn't not do it without this podcast. So you know, grateful to everyone who who who's listened to this show. You know, over the past few years, it's I, I think it's a collective success for all of us. Really, hopefully.
0: Yeah, do check out uh, Jonathan's appearance on that uh, Guardian podcast and also check out his own Just Football podcast, which is, I think, around episode three now, I do believe. So, um, yes, uh, back to um, the Nordic matters. And, uh, well, it's been obviously a mental period of games. It's difficult to keep up, isn't it, sometimes? Um, You know, we're now into, I mean, Norway's had, I think, eight games now. So, Sweden... Uh, in such a short period of time, it just seems feels like yesterday since the league first started, just a month ago. Um, what have you made of proceedings so far in, in the Arsvensk and then, uh, Jonathan? We've got Shipping top of the pile, but um, eight games in, initial thoughts?
1: Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? I mean, we, we did a season preview not much more than a month ago. and Now we're already 20, uh, 27% in, of the way into the season. So a quarter of the way of the campaign done, which is just mad, isn't it? Uh, we had no fans. Yeah. Um, it's hard to really keep up, I'll be honest with you, with the games. Every single day there seems to be games. Um, there's games yesterday, there's games tomorrow, there was games the day before that. Like, in terms of keeping up with the league and, and, and doing what we do, we, 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 we watch the league so closely, don't we, Steve? In terms of keeping up with every match and stuff, it's been pretty intense. Um, but, uh, yeah, really weird season so far. The best way I can describe the season is just weird. That's the, that's the only word I can think to describe it. Very curious, very bizarre. Uh, a lot of surprises, a lot of things I didn't expect to happen. And, of course, my, my season, 2019 season preview prediction is finally looking like coming true. <laughs> Norse hoping to win the league.
0: Yeah, it looks like you might have got the wrong year with them. So many Hamm- fans are going to be excited next year, aren't they, at this rate? But yeah. um, <laughs> I, mean, I suppose we're going, to have, we're going to have to start with Norse, are not we? Um, the only unbeaten side left in the Alsvenskan at the moment. They've won six, drawn two. Um, seemingly on fire and um, already a seven-point cushion. So I mean, what has been the secret to their success?
1: Yeah, good question. Uh, I think really they just got a very solid team. I think probably underestimated a little bit uh, the their level. And, you know, my, my, my feelings last season were that they, they could win the league based on the fact that I thought they had a really good squad. I thought that they had... Good players in every area of the pitch. I thought they had one of the best managers in Ole Um, you know Jens Gustafsson, and I think a lot of that still applies. I think the two factors that really um, have put them in, in in really good stead. Obviously, in the preseason podcast, they hadn't signed Uh so you know I think the day after we released that episode, they signed Haksavanovic permanently from West Ham, and to me, that's a game changer. He is. On this day, the best player in all Again, in my opinion, along with Anders Christiansen, probably of Malmö, um, real game changer, 21 year old. There's been a lot of conversation about him. People saying, did he didn't you know did sort of return to Sweden a bit of a failure? Is he too good for it? Should he should he have ever left in the first place? And I think it's a really interesting interesting debate. In my opinion, Halmstad to Norr shopping was the move he should have made instead of Halmstad to West Ham. I think. There's a debate there to be had about whether maybe he learned a lot at West Ham, you know, in a Premier League environment, but he mainly played for the under-23s, barely played a game. I think he played maybe a Carabao Cup game or something like that, but that was about it, really. Um, You know, in terms of a player's career progression, should he have gone straight to law shopping, maybe? Anyway, he's back now, and there's a debate about how long he'll stay again, because he is way, way too good for the league on his day. Um, But it's not only Haxabanovich. They've got a really, really good defence, I think. Rasmus Lauritsen, for me, is one of the best players in the league at this moment in time. A 24-year-old centre-back. Uh, in certain games I've seen this season, he's been outstanding, um, exceptional. I remember ARK, he got a goal and assist from from centre-back position, a uh, real leader. Um, Philip Dargestal, he's been linked with clubs. I've been talking about Dargestal on this podcast for about three years, since since I was in Sweden, in fact. Um, played in different positions, centre-back and center midfield. field uh, He's become now really their main centre-back in that sense. Um, you know, in the kind of uh, the, the formation they play, he's really good. And now he's been linked with clubs in the aerodivisie, got really solid defense, really good midfield. They've got Simon Tan, who's in really good form. Uh, they've got a lot of good players, Steve, I'll be honest, you know, blonkfist Jonathan Levi, I think has been a good signing and Christopher Nieman is also scoring the goals. So yeah, it's looking really good for North Shopping at the moment and um, they've got a seven point lead
0: already. It's kind of crazy that there's uh, six teams in joint second place on 13 points. I mean, um, two of those sides are newly promoted, Warburg Boys poison Mialbi. I mean, is it just one of those seasons where maybe Norseping can take advantage of the other team sort of just taking points off each other and not really igniting into form enough? But it looks really congested table below them. Um, unbelievable, actually. I can't quite believe what I'm seeing. Yeah, well, I read an
1: interview with uh, C. Montaigne and uh, now he's an interesting character, and um, just want to mention him because a lot of people in uh, a lot of fans will be have a whole warm feelings about like him. He underwent a lot of he had a lot of mental health problems, and came out was quite open about it. And you know it was a real setback for him. Um, and you know he's come back now and is looking quite good. He gave an interesting interview where he said that they've they've hired a new attacking coach, and he, he's attributed a, a lot of their success down to this new attacking coach that they they've got in place. Um, just working on offensive coordination. And I think that's what held them back last season. I think they were a little bit, they weren't really that coordinated in, in forward areas. Obviously they had Jordan Larson last season who scored so many goals for them, but then he left um, to Russia and Haxivanovic came in on loan. Um, I think what's happened then is because they've been able to keep Haxivanovic, they've got that coordination already because they've been working from each with each other last season and then they've taken it to a new level. Um, They've also signed Linus Selenius now. He will join in the, you know, when the transfer window opens in a, a, few, a few weeks' time. Obviously, Gibson's so where he was the second top goal, sc- goal scorer in the league a couple of seasons just to go. He's coming back from Cyprus. Uh, massive signing, in my opinion. Um, you know, he was going to go to EF Corps, apparently, but uh, no shopping was swooped him uh, quickly. So, yeah, they're in a really good position. They've scored the most goals. Obviously, 20 goals scored, only seven conceded, the, you know, joint best defensive record. Haven't lost a game yet. I uh, watched them against Malmo. They got a late equaliser and hit the post. Could have won it, actually. Um, so they were slightly lucky they could have could have won the game. And if they won that game, it's probably, you could almost say title over, even at such an early stage, um, you know, if they, if, they, if you consider Malmo as their main challenges. But uh, that win just keeps their seven-point gap. It would have otherwise been down to sort of, you know, five points, and then maybe it's different. But, um, yeah, Norrköping look really, really good at the moment, Peaking, Their fans will be very happy with things at the moment. And I think... They're in a really good place, even though it's early in the season.
0: Yeah, I mean, we could talk about a lot of the regulars in the chasing pack, like Hammerby, Aikor, Malma, but maybe let's talk about a couple of un- well, surprising teams up there. Uh, Mielby, for example, that won four games in a row uh, recently, and, and that included victories against the likes of Hammerby and Hecken, which is, I mean, fair play to them there. They just lost to Varberg. Boys who are actually on 13 points as well. I mean, can you explain why these two newly promoted sides have gone so well?
1: Well, I think the obvious thing is no fans. That is a, a big game changer. I mean, we'll talk about your observations from Norway a, a bit later, I suppose, in terms of how that affects things. Maybe we can have a short discussion about that. Simple fact of the matter is that, you know, um, a team like me being newly promoted, it can go to, you know, can go to an EF Corps with no fans and it can go to a Malmo with no fans. Obviously they, they lost to Mammon on the opening day, but uh, the EF Core game, for example, they more than held their own. They were quite unlucky, um, to be honest. It was a, a late goal um, that uh, stopped them from winning. I thought they were really good in that game. In fact, uh, they've got some good players. And I think I mentioned it in, in the preseason podcast. They've got, they've, they've signed quite well. So Mamadou Morrow's come in, and he's, you know, I, I think I said on the preseason show, he, he is a player who, um, I had him my fantasy team for a while last season. He was at Helsingborg. I uh, don't have him in my fantasy team this time, which is typical because he scored the winner against Helsingborg, his former club, uh, in a 1 0 away win. Scored two against Hacken as well. He's looked quite good in recent weeks as a good sort of forward player. can play on the wing as well. Um, then they've got decent players like Bessard Sabovic. He is a player I really, really like. I think he's um, arguably one of the best players. He's got a good future um previously been i think he's on loan from your garden and he's on loan and he's only 22 years old good midfield player he's really lively quite creative i mentioned they've got david batonero of course the, S- the spaniard um he has come in so you know they've got they've got a decent squad they've got moses obu came from sirius um there's a lot of good players they have david lofkus coming in done well and then probably they have put it all together with this lad up front called jacob bergstrom who um, he's looked really good, in my opinion. A uh, 25-year-old forward is a sort of a target man player. Uh, he can hold the ball up. You know, they play they play quite a sort of simple system, 5-2-3, 5-4-1 sort of system um, in transitions. And Sabovic is the man just kind of, uh, sorry, moulds things together in midfield, you know, plays nice passes. And Bergstrom is just sort of a good physical frame, number nine target man. He wins the headers, he wins the crosses. You know, he's not amazing in any sense of the word you know a bit unsure of his touch but he just gets the job done isn't he just that physical player that you need up front puts the ball in the net um so yeah they've they've looked very very good I'll be honest um good good team fair play yeah
0: I mean I have to say I'm personally surprised I mean I don't know Swedish football like you do but usually these teams that have come up in the last three or four seasons have been absolutely mint to me haven't they really they've been a very very poor usually hovering down the bottom of the table very early on. But I mean, pleasant surprise to see a couple of sides come up and actually compete so far. I mean, there's a long way to go, but um, I say there's a long way to go. It's nearly a third of the season complete as well. So it'd be interesting to see if they can keep it up. And um, meanwhile, down the bottom, it seems to be like a continuation of last season with Falkenberg down there, Helsingborg, more on them in a minute. Cal Marvellous lost five in a row, I think. and us just just outside of the relegation zone and we're going to have to talk about them really here because there has been a change um of manager um a good our good friend of the podcast ian birchnell has departed at the club uh, so obviously quite a big story here that's happened in the last few weeks uh, what can you tell us about the situation in uh, us you know,
1: uh firstly what i'll just say about um you know the newly promoted teams obviously Viber. I think they they're a bit, little bit more established in terms of the playing style. I think teams that have come up and gone down in, in past, you know, AFC Eskilstuna maybe, and a couple of other teams like that. Obviously, Falkenberg stayed up, but they're bottom of the league right now. I, I just think with Mialby and Viborg, they've, like I said, no fans is a massive, a massive difference. You know, you, if you're a newly promoted team going to Malmo or going to AIK, going to EF EFK with full capacity, that's a different prospect to playing in an empty stadium. Already, you've got just that psychological age. You know, we talked about it, didn't we, Steve? You, you, players probably who would normally maybe go into their shell, maybe not used to playing at that top level uh in front of 10, 15,000, 20,000, 30,000 fans. Now you're in an empty stadium, you know, it's like a training match. So I think that's a massive factor uh, in this. I think that just mentally allows players to uh, be a bit more relaxed, a bit more open and, and there's not, they haven't got fans on their backs, have they? Um The other thing is I think they've recruited quite well. I think Malby have recruited really well. I'll be honest. I think their squad is good. Um, I can't remember where I predicted them, but I, I don't think I had them to go down. And a lot of it was because I, I really think they've got a good squad. You know, Eric Bjorkander, uh, there's a lot of players I can mention. Agardius, we talked about on the pod as well, you know, went to Livorno and then had to come back. Uh, Tamimi Seiberg, he was at Sundsvall. There's a lot of players there that, they're kind of all fence camp players, really. So, um, when it's Miaubi, I think that's part of the reason that they've, they've, they've sort of done quite well. Warburg are slightly different, I just think they've, they've got uh, maybe a bit more of a set system. Been slightly lucky in some games. I think they'll they'll be lower half of the table eventually, but uh, playing nice football, uh, just like they did when they were in Super Retton. Um If we move on to ostersons yeah, of course, uh, big big news. Uh, you know, Ian Birchmore has officially left, um, according to the statement put out. It was a mutual consent type situation. Um, you know, things are well. ostersons are in a bit of a strange situation, aren't they? Really, with their finances. Uh, we had Ian Birchmore on the show previously and we had him on the just football podcast as well in preseason and he talked about the financial challenges that the club have had obviously their owner daniel shimberg or their chairman was sentenced to prison for financial mismanagement financial irregularities that's set to go to an appeal court that's going to the high court to be discussed um still potential jail time he's facing you know new people have come in it's a real difficult situation there they've got financial problems i talked about them in preseason uh in the preseason show, didn't I, Stephen? I said that there's some, in my opinion, some fishy goings on in the background. That I think they're a little bit questionable. Obviously, their license was, was rescinded originally. They weren't supposed to be in Osvencan and then it was overturned. So they were allowed to be in Osvenscan. Um A lot of bookmakers' preseason predicted them to go down, and I had them 10th. Um, I'd like to now officially <laughs> retract that. I think they'll get relegated now. I think um, it's obvious that there's some serious issues behind the scenes. Uh, I know just from, you know, situation there it seems like it's a real mess and i think their replacement they've signed a you know they, they, they've brought in a uh, manager from the fourth division who with all due respect to him um doesn't even have his UEFA pro license so he's not technically allowed to manage in north spence so his assistant manager has had to come in and uh, coach the games because he doesn't have his license but that just sums it up it seems like a real bit of a weird situation um you know, the manager that they've got to replace, Ian, is obviously not even qualified and that's, you know, that's not a criticism, that's just a fact. So, I think they're going to be, I think they'll sell some key players and I think they're in real trouble. Amir as Rashvan, is their new manager, by the way, Amir as Rafshan, sorry. And, um, you know, good luck to him. They lost to Malmo in, in, in their first game without Ian. Ian obviously won his final game in charge against Falkenberg. But, uh yeah, they're, they're already towards the bottom end of the table. I think they will be
0: in real trouble now as the season goes on yeah ian uh, won uh, two of his last three games didn't he in charge of osterson so uh, i mean actually on the field i think it's been it's a shame really because I think he was trying to forge uh, an identity there a footballing identity at the club but unfortunately off the field issues again um seemingly affecting uh ian it's similar viking actually to a degree um, but yeah, wish uh, obviously Ian uh, all the best going forward as well, and we wish Aston's new manager the best of luck. But um,
1: he's unlucky. I, he's unlucky. I think he's been unlucky, you know, in that job because um, obviously it was not hard, not easy taking over from Graham Potter. Hmm. But I think yeah, like you said, the financial situation turned into maybe another Viking, which he probably would have wanted to avoid, to be honest. Uh, I think he was doing quite well. I was there in pre-season to watch them, you know, train and and, and play in a friendly um and i, I thought i like the look of a lot of their players i thought you know he was coaching them quite well and i think although they'd have been up against it i think i think um i think he probably would have had the coaching capacity to maybe keep them in the division but now i i really i really worry obviously they, they were already struggling you know so this is something that's been boiling you know they lost quite a few of their opening games four of the first six games um one at kalmar one at Falkenberg. but um this is a situation that's been been boiling along but i think with the I'm not saying, I don't think it's necessarily a coaching criticism, but, you know, he doesn't, the the new manager doesn't have his pro license. I'm not saying that's the reason they'll go down, but I think the simple fact is that they're they're in real financial dire straits, it seems, and I think that's clear. So I think they're going to have to sell, like Kadiri, for example. Club Rouge is apparently going to sign him. And, um, yeah, so I think, you know, as things stand, I think he'll, he'll, they'll really struggle.
0: Yeah, um, I would just, before we move on ian Birchnell, i mean uh, would you like to see him manage a uh, a bigger club in sweden say a big opening came out it'd be interesting to see him you know with a club with decent resources wouldn't it because i mean let's be honest last season he's probably kept them up when a lot of managers would have gone down you know with this how the situation developed so it'd be good to uh, to see him get a bigger job really wouldn't it in scandinavia yeah well i
1: think um you know, uh, obviously, uh, you know, I'm in touch with Ian, and uh, so, um, not speaking on his behalf or anything, but yeah, I think I think he would deserve maybe, and i I like to think that he could get a job where he um has, you know, the uh, a better background, probably. You know, I think if we were looking at Osfenscan, for example, if he was to keep to stay in Osfenscan, you'd hope he would get a job where there's a platform to maybe build from. I think Ostersund could have been a good platform, but obviously there's just too much going on in the, in the background, maybe, um, for any manager really to, to deal with. So it's a really tough situation. Uh, I think Ian showed in his time there with their league finishes that they, there's the capability of him to build a structure at, at a club if he was to get another job there. Um, whether that is offered to him or remains to be seen. But, um, yeah, all in all, I think he could definitely continue in going and get another job. You know, I don't know what, which job is going to be available. There's a few other managers that are doing really well at the moment. Sirius, I think uh, we'd have to talk about them as well. Their manager, I think, is, is doing a fantastic job at the moment. Um, there's a couple of managers looking quite good. in, you know, Meowby, like I said, Marcus Lance is doing quite well. There's, there's a few managers looking quite good in in Osvenskan at the moment. Um, but I hope this isn't the last we see of Ian but, You No, know, I, think, I think he would be employable again in Osvenscan. Uh Let's put it that way.
0: Oh, Without a shadow of a doubt. And like, uh, like I said, we wish him uh, all the very best. the future and uh, yeah so you're listening to the nordic football podcast this is the alsvenskan section we'll we'll be moving on to norwegian matters in the second part of this uh, episode but uh let's let's just stay down the bottom of the alsvenskan because helsingborg are currently 15th Uh, they might have maybe steadied the ship with a few more solid results recently but it seems like maybe for the second straight season things have just not started particularly well for the helsingborg i mean what is, what's going wrong there, Jonathan?
1: Yeah, they've been in a bit of a weird situation, to be honest. I think, um, yeah, my, my, my preseason prediction for them was probably slightly high, if I'm honest. Uh, I think I probably overestimate the fact that they, they've got really good young players, but I think their squad is lacking. They, they've got a lot of injuries. Um, I think from the games I've seen, that you know I saw them against Kalmar, they were absolutely battered 4-0. I mean, that was just unbelievable, to be honest. Uh, they were shocking. Uh, they've gone on since then, obviously, lost at Hakan, lost against Mialbi at home. Results have picked up slightly since. Um, you know, they got a draw at Yulgard and they beat AIK, which was a massive win. And they started to look a little bit better. They got a point at EF Core as well, last minute. Goal from uh, Al Hamlawi, which was a big disappointment for EF Core. Uh, throwing that away in the 90th minute. But um. I think Olaf Melberg is, is is maybe starting to get his squad together again. They've had a lot, a lot, a lot of injury problems. I think that's the main problem for them. Um and that meant he's had to rejig his team quite a bit. He's had to he's had to rotate. Um Anders Lindegaard, for example, the former Manchester United goalkeeper, he's been injured and he's a key player for them, in my opinion. Uh they had to have a sort of a second choice goalkeeper who was really poor in a Carmel game, that's for sure. Um and then it's a case of they've got players like They've got a lot of young players that they're having to rely on, like Armin Jijewicz, uh, who is linked with big clubs. He's a subject of one of my Scout blogs in the last few weeks with our partnership with Scout. I wrote about him, a tactical profile. Um, Tim Ossie Anderson who's on loan from Bayern Munich. You know, he's only 19. Max Fenson is a really good player, but he's only 21. I think there's been a lot of emphasis on him. He started to pick up form a little bit, but I think there's just a bit too much of an emphasis on young players at the moment. Um, and then I think we'll see the likes of Anthony Vanden herk uh, who I, wrote, I did a video blog about uh, scouting analysis. He's got his first goal now. He needed a bit of time to settle. You've got mixed. Diskarud has come in and he's, you know, he's steadied the ship in midfield a bit. Mohamed um, Abu bakari has been injured, but he's started to return. Um, so, yeah, I think with, with Helsingborg, they... I think Olaf Melberg's not secure. He has to be careful because I think his job could be available if the if, if results continue. You know, Helsingborg is quite an unforgiving environment. One, if you get on the fans back there, things can change very, very quickly and turn against you. Um, but maybe they might be about to start picking up some results soon. Their next game is Falkenberg. Yeah, maybe they'd expect to win that. Uh, then they've got Olobos. So maybe they can go on a bit of a run before they play Hammerby, Malmo and Norrköping in their three games after that.
0: Ouch, ouch. That's not <laughs> Does it, I mean, um, just before we move on to something else, I do want to give a plug to the uh, the White Scout blog, which we have been writing to Mike, was on this season. Um, I did a bunch of uh, Lita Serien players uh, back a month or two ago, including Jens Pettahauge, uh, Alan Dunham, uh, Nicholas Castro, etc. You have recently been doing some uh, player profiles from the Alsvenskan on the uh, White Scout blog, in, including Niels uh, Fröling. So, um, yeah, it's... Um, it's definitely worth uh, a read. Is this Scout blog? Was lots of other good stuff on there as well. And uh, give it a go. You know, I've been I'm quite impressed with some of these articles that you've been churning out recently. There, Jonathan.
1: Yeah, thanks. Mm-hmm. Likewise with yourself. You know, we, we we're partners with Wisecat. We um, we write a piece for them every every month. And um, yeah, of course, they they rely on us to provide the best young talents and best players to watch in us Osven- in us going to lead to soon. And that's what we've been doing. A lot of our players we recommend eventually leave, don't they? So, um, I don't know, maybe we might start having to charge, charge commission to, to this lot because we're doing a lot of other people's jobs, aren't we? Picking out these talents. Um, but yeah, Niels Froling, he's been injured actually for Kalmar and I think that's part of the reason that they're so low down in the table. They, they've, they've hit a bit of a snag in recent weeks and uh, just things have started to tail off. They started the season really well, didn't they? You know, we talked about them, I think, briefly uh, when they won two in a row. But ever since then, they've lost five straight. So it's it's looking a little bit ropey from Kalmar right now.
0: Okay, let's let's finish off the Swedish section by talking about the future for the next, say, ten rounds. Then I mean, the the the, the chasing pack. There's a lot of big boys in that chasing pack. Hammer B, A, Core, etc. Yourgarten, Malma, uh, whatever you want to call it. And um, like, who is going to be the challengers? Who's going to say to Norshaping, right, we're right behind you. We're going to give you a good go for the title. Is it a case of these, a lot of these bigger sides have simply underperformed right now? Uh, or do you kind of just see some regressing and not improving enough?
1: Um, I think it's a quite a tough question. I'd probably say no one. I, I expect I expect Norshaping to win the league now, to be honest with you. And I think they'll do it. Um, in some style i think they might they maybe they might have a bit of a, a, a bit of a a blip but even with seven points gap already you know they're gonna have to lose three or four games to, for that to happen and um you know the, the rate things the way things are going I, i'm not sure they're gonna lose sort of four or five games okay they'll, they'll inevitably have a blip um but they only lost five they only lost five games all of last season and i think they're a much better team than they were last season so you know you're looking at the likes of, i think your garden are starting to pick up for them i think they they're really well coached i think they they've got some of the best managers the best management duo arguably in the league my problems with malmo in pre-season were clear that i said about yonder thomas and i'm not entirely sure he's gonna maybe lead them to the title immediately in this first sort of season um i stand by that i think there's been problems with adi nalic who is uh, you know one of their top players arguably and he's been out of the team and he came out recently and said sort of if you know if i'm not going to play then i'm going to have to leave this club um that's a bit of a worrying sign when one of your best young talents is, is sort of already giving out tidbits to the media about wanting to leave the biggest club in sweden um obviously there's bigger clubs in the board looking at him but i think that's uh that's not a good sign and uh, i talked about before Malmo having some you know problems between Yondal thomason and some of the members senior members of the squad um i'm not convinced that they're the board those sort of maybe problems are, have all been addressed especially you know bearing in mind the, G, the um knowledge situation so although Malmö are good, I just I, I still think that maybe they've got, you know, I think they should have beaten Norrköping, for example, gave away a last minute last minute goal. Just not sure they're going to catch them with seven points. Um, Vorarlberg obviously are not going to. Hacken looking good, they beat Elsborg 6-0, but could they mount a title challenge? Not entirely convinced yet. Um, you know, before that six goals, they'd only scored nine in eight games. So. You know they're sort of scoring goals in fits and starts. Sudland will be a key man. I like I like what I see from him. Wallamark, Dalaher, and just looking good. Um, but I think the the main advantage with Neil shopping is I don't I don't think they really need to sell players. Whereas I think that the other challengers are going to need to sell players. Um, you know you look at E F Core. I worry about E F Core. I think they they could really be in trouble if they sell Yusuf and Kerish really, uh, which they've said they need to. You know, I think they could even be looking at relegation potentially um, or a relegation battle if they lose those two players and don't replace them. You know, I, I worry really worry about yeah if they lose those two players. Um there's contract negotiations for Tankovic at Hammerby, but they're already nine points behind. I said it in preseason. I think they can win the league if Slatan signs, but it's not maybe not looking like that's going to happen at this moment in time. Paolino is on the score sheet now, but I'm you know, I'm not sure. Um I'm not sure, Steve, that anyone's going to catch think this way. Honestly, I think they're looking really, really good. I think they look the most mature team, the most technically organised team. They've got the head start, unless they lose players. I, I, I think they're going to continue from here and maybe win the league. Um, I'd like to talk about A. R. K. though, because I think I found them interesting.
0: To me, it seems like there's a lack of goals from these other contenders. In fact, actually, a general lack of goals across the whole league. There's far more under 2.5 goal matches than overs this year. Um, I mean, so hammerby, um, Aikor, I mean, what is it? Eight goals for Hammerby in eight games. I mean, it's terrible. Even Malmo have only got 11 goals. It just seems across the whole league that goals are not in a ready ready sort of supply. I mean, I guess with Aikor, it's not such a, a big shock, is it? Um, nine goals scored. I suppose 10 against is, is more of a surprise as far as they're concerned. <laughs> um, has the defence let them down a bit this year?
1: Well, I think with AK that... You know i'm gonna the reference point for this discussion is the aik1 north shipping for that game which was a sensational match really second game of the season and that kind of laid the foundations for this this weird campaign where we've just seen so many strange results honestly um, uh, that game was very very strange but weirdly enough i i saw a lot of i saw a lot to like about aik in that, in that 4-1 defeat and uh i know that sounds quite weird but i'm gonna you know, try and explain that you know I, AIK are in a situation where they, they're trying to sort of re, rebuild and redevelop. And, you know, this is a new era, they said. I think COVID has really hit them because I think without that, they probably would have signed a few more players to sort of kickstart this new era that they're trying to bring in. They're trying to bring in this younger team, this new sort of style of play, this Atalanta-type system, you know, more of a three four three, uh three two four one. You know, the defending against No Shopping was absolutely terrible. They lost 4-1, like I say. Um, and some of the set-piece defending in particular was woeful. Um, yeah. You know, Granley, for example, had a really poor game. Uh, a lot of players had a poor game in that, really. Um, but I, I actually quite liked what, what they're trying to do. And I think in certain games, we've seen glimpses of what they can maybe do with this new sort of style. And they've got a lot of players who are sort of maybe, I think we saw, we've, we're we seeing the back of a lot of these players. I think Enoch kofi Adu maybe is one that, you know, he's not living up to the, what he's been in previous seasons. I think we're starting to maybe see him phased out, potentially. Uh, even these a four-he's come in and is looking, in my opinion, quite good um, in the base there, defensive midfield. But they're doing a lot of tactically strange, you know, different things. Like, Seb Larson was playing centre midfield in that game, and in the second half, he was switched to sort of like the right centre-back of a, in a three-man back line. Uh, it was really sort of – there's a lot of tactical versatility going on with this team. They're trying to really mix things up. And I think fans, AIK fans, are probably quite encouraged by the likes of Eric Carl, Robin Teehee, who I wrote about on Why Scout. I think he's going to be a big, big player. Uh, I predict he will go on and could end up at a top club. I think he's potentially the next Rafael Varan type player. I really like what I see of Teehee as uh, centre back there. Um, then they got, obviously, you know Saku Latlupa, who's only 20. They've got Tom Strenegard, who's sort of 17. Bilal Hussein, 19. Um, the two that I like the most at this moment are sort of Paulos Abraham and uh, and Titi, but they've got a lot of sort of younger talents, teenage talents that they're they're sort of trying to reintegrate. And I think this is a transition scene. It's a bit like um, it's a bit like the Premier League. This is a bit of a transition series. You know, this season in the Premier League has been like you've got three or four teams in transition. know, Manchester United, Chelsea, um, for example, Arsenal, and then you just got one team that just ran away with it, Liverpool. And I think. I think Norrköping and potentially Liverpool of, of 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 Sweden at this moment. I think I think they're the team that has just got everything clicking at the right time, whereas everyone else is maybe in a bit of a, a transition. I think Hammerby just haven't got the, the the blend right. Their defense isn't good enough. They've got their fans aren't there, which I think is a massive blow. You know, they've got one of the best attendances in the league. Um, Aik one of the best attendances in the league. You know, so they all the other challenges are just missing a little bit, and um, that that just leads me to sort of think that the. You know, Norrshipping have, have it all in their favour at this moment in time.
0: shipping, the Liverpool of the Wenskin. <coughs> well, but it's in the name, isn't it? norr
1: nah,
0: let's Nah, let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, right. I think I'm going to complete the, the Swedish section for this uh, episode. So, um, yeah, we're going to have a little bit of a break now. Um, join us after the interval. And uh, we'll be discussing Norwegian matters in the ausvensk Um things very interesting up there. So uh, catch you in a little bit.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to part two of the Nordic Football Podcast. And this is an unprecedented scenario because we've been joined live on the show. We, we normally record these streaming live, and there is a capability for listeners to tune in when we're recording at times. And unbelievably, we have been joined by a pub open, a.k.a. Cooper, a.k.a. CJ, a.k.a. loyal fan and longtime listener, Ted Cruz, my son. A bit of a podcast legend, to be honest. He's always supported us from day one. Uh, Cooper, how are you today? It's unbelievable to have you with us.
2: I'm doing very well. I'm glad to be here. Uh, thanks for having me come on. I didn't even expect this would even happen.
1: Well, you know, you, you take your opportunities in life and uh, you've done it. You joined us live and you left a comment. And so we thought, yeah. why, why, not, why not get you on the show? Because you are part of this uh, Nordic Football Podcast, really. Um, yeah. For those who don't know, uh, Cooper is a Rosenborg fan, big time Rosenborg fan. He's even wearing a Rosenborg shirt as we speak. And so we're going to start this section of Norway by talking to you uh, about Rosenborg. Tell us uh, your thoughts on the season so far. Obviously, there's been quite a lot of turbulence at Rosenborg, hasn't there, in the last few weeks?
2: So this season has not turned out the way I expected it. Um, I knew that Hornaland was going to end up leaving us at some point. Uh, he just didn't seem like a right fit from day one. I think you guys know that from my view. Um, I just didn't expect the season to go so south so quickly. Uh, I mean, you saw today, we didn't even get a goal against Start, a newly promoted team. Uh, I mean, good for them. It's, It's good for them to have that result against us. But I just don't know what it really is anymore. Maybe it's just the players not giving enough effort. I expected them not to win the league, but to get top three. I wouldn't be surprised if they got third, not even second. But, I mean, just Bodo, they've been amazing, just like last season. They started off really well. They just need to keep it up if they want to take the title, unlike last year. But, yeah, Bodo and Molda, they just seem better than us. And um, I don't know what else we need to do to improve, but... Usually with the transfer windows, we don't spend enough money. No club really does. So it's all about maybe academy. We just got to hope for someone to come through the ranks and to just be really impressive and start a revitalization again. But yeah, I I did expect top three and I think we'll be top half. Obviously, it's just going to take some time to click in.
1: Morningland, Morningland was, you know, was sacked from his, his position. Uh, something that Steve has been predicting for for a fair while. To be honest, um, let, let me just ask you, uh, Cooper. How long have you been supporting uh, Rosenborg? Just tell us a little bit about your own personal, you know, fandom behind uh, Rosenborg. It's quite a curious story for maybe some listeners. How did you get into it? You know what? You know so, your
2: Like I have Norwegian heritage, and I got into the sport of football since 2010. So I was a Manchester United fan. But I wanted to follow some place in the league that isn't well known, isn't as big, especially where I am in America. And being Norwegian, I thought to look through clubs there. And the only reason why I went into Rustenborg Ball Club was because of Mike Jensen. Uh, Sadly, he's gone now. I think he plays in Cyprus. Um, uh, But that's what got me into it. And it was back in 2016. So it was before the 100 year anniversary and it was perfect timing they were hot and I, I didn't choose them because of their form I didn't even know of their form but I was really glad to get into them and it's just really beautiful club beautiful stadium at the Lurkendall, um, with the Scantic hotel and stuff and I was really happy with my choice
1: it's fantastic and yeah I mean what you've been listening to the show for quite a while you know you, you know about Steve Views on Hornetland um, yeah what What's the outlook for the rest of the season? Like you said, you hope maybe Champions League football, that kind of thing. What, you know, um, in the years you've been supporting them, how how bad is this in terms of the support? I mean, obviously, Rosenborg fans have been, you know, you've been um, been lucky. You've had a lot of good success over the years. Yeah. How do you see yourself getting out of this
2: situation? Mm. Um, I, again, like with the transfer window, I don't think it's going to be transferring in a ton of players. It's, it's, got to be a managerial change and it's also got to be maybe an academy product coming through to help inspire. Definitely. So I don't know when that's going to happen, but, um, I mean, we need to sign a player like Attic Benro again. And I'm not saying Attic Benro is the best thing we've ever had, but sadly he seems kind of injury prone, but someone who isn't injury prone, but is as athletic as him, maybe coming in through the lit to first, um, if not, maybe the Alsven skin. I think those are some good products to look into to help us with success in the league. So I would say, I mean, next year, obviously we can do better than this year. I don't think we can be title contenders next year unless if we make a huge improvement. But within two years, I think we'll be back to normal. But we'll never, like, not never, it'll be a long time before we have another season again like we did where we qualified for the Champions League against Ajax. That, that was just unreal uh, with Bentner and stuff. Uh, but sadly, Bentner's gone. Um, we've got some hurt people. It seems like Paul-Andre Helland has been back, and I love seeing that. I think that can be another spark to getting form again, and I really have trust in him before he moves on in his career whether that's
0: retirement or transfer. Great to have you on, on the podcast. Um, welcome. And uh, I've got to say, um, I totally agree with you about Rosenborg and need to put more faith in some of the academy prospects because there's um, a good youth system going through there. Not enough have come through that recently, I don't think, and they're maybe not giving it enough game time to some of these guys. It's been nice to see, um, excuse me, Edvard Tagseff, Um Gained some minutes recently i think he's a good prospect but you mentioned mike jensen was uh, one of your favorite players who else is sort of uh, warmed your heart in the last four or five years at uh, Rosenborg? who um, who else do you really like
2: oh paul under hillen um him and mike jensen they've been my number one i mean it's great to have a player like virginia use being a rock in the defense um andre hansen he's been there for a while it's it's the people who have been there since i started supporting it's just They've just gotten to my heart, um, and, and I like them a lot better than the newer ones. I do like Bothheim a lot, uh, another academy product. Sadly, he's not getting as many minutes as I thought he would be this year. I know last year, towards the end of the season, he was starting, um, I think he even had a hat trick too. And it, I don't know if he's injured right now, but hopefully he's getting more minutes uh, as time goes on. But Islamovic might be another player that can help him out. But yeah, Tag Seth, he's a good player in the midfield. Um, I'm I'm excited for those two academy products. And we're known for the academy. We're known for people coming through. Josh King, um, Austin used to be through us, and now he's back again. But like all these players back when I first started supporting in 2010, um, not Rusenborg itself, but I just remember from FIFA, all the academy products, like shale bread and stuff, they all moved on, and they got big, and obviously Schulberg's back now. But, um, I mean, we're known for the academy, and it hasn't been since then. It's been longer than that, too. But that's just the first time I remember, oh, my God, these are some big names, and they came through Rosenborg. you got to go through Rosenborg to make it big, it seems.
1: A couple of final questions. Uh, I keep thinking to call you Ted, but obviously it's not Ted, it's Cooper. I just uh, just mm-hmm. to but um. How do you watch games over in in the US, just quickly? And then, um, you know, how easy is it to get Norwegian games? You know, how do you go about it? Is it just streaming, or how do you, is there a service for you maybe? And then, you know, also just tell us maybe a little bit about you know what what brought you to the podcast, how you discovered it, and you know maybe um you know what you like about it, or maybe you can say you hate it, and you know <laughs> <laughs> this could be an embarrassing question, but yeah, you know, just tell us about how you discovered the show maybe.
2: Okay, well, um, so I do watch the games through my computer. Uh, it's not as easy as it is with the Premier League, with the TV, or watching on your phone on NBC Sports. But there's a place called VIP Box. It's either with an E ending or no E ending. Um, you have to go through a lot of pop-up ads. I have not gotten a virus, thankfully, but I was willing, willing to risk it to watch some Rustenborg games, and I have. Um it's it's a little bit slower than getting your news from them, but it's still watching the play and it's not always so fuzzy and stuff. But I mean, whatever way I can watch it, so long as I can watch it, I don't care. Um and then also I do remember going and watching you guys, I remember tweeting on Twitter like, I wish there was a way to watch some Scandinavian games or something for soccer or football. And uh, one of you guys messaged me like, hey, you should check out this podcast. And you guys were only season one, episode one, already filmed or something. And I was like, yeah, I'll just listen. And I really liked it. And so I, I'm an OG. I've been here since day one. All because I looked through Twitter and you look through a keyword, Scandinavian football. And you found me. And thankfully, I found you guys through that too. So yeah, that's, that's, how, we got, that's how we met. It was just through Twitter. Uh, you guys saw my tweet and... Thankfully, I listened to your stuff and I subscribed.
1: You yeah, have to say, to be honest, that you know it, it's really fantastic to have you on the show because uh, you are a bit of a you are a bit of a Nordic football podcast legend. To be honest, you know we, we talked about you quite a bit in the past. Uh, yeah,
2: you know. and I always <laughs> love you guys bring me up, and the fact that I'm on this now, it's like you you really did make my day. I'm, obviously, I was let down about the Ruslandborg result. Still got a game to go for my local, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad to be on here and I'm going to be watching this like every day for the next month now, showing this off to people. Can't wait. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice. Brilliant.
0: Well, um, I'll say thanks for uh, appearing on here and um, uh, in- I hope you enjoy watching Reasonable for the rest of the, the season and I hope you enjoy listening to the Nordic football podcast for the rest of your life. So, uh, yeah, I I it's been a pleasure 100%. having you uh, uh, on your thoughts on Reasonable, and uh, we'll take care. Take care yeah. and uh, we'll see
2: you uh, again very soon. Well, I appreciate it, guys. You guys have a nice one. Thanks. Cheers. Bye.
1: Bye. Bye. Cheers Take care of yourself. Great to have you. Fantastic.
2: Absolutely brilliant. I mean,
0: um, to, ha- to have uh, some opinions from a uh, diehard Rosenborg fan, really committed guy. Um, to, he knows a lot about that club and, uh, you know, he'd, he'd risk a virus and everything for <laughs> Rosenborg. Uh, you know, he, his whole computers could go kaput. Yes, and I just
1: say that is that is the beauty of uh, the show, really, isn't it? That that's kind of why you do it. You know, the loyal followers, and um, it's really good to have people like that who you know give the support. And uh, I have to say that was quite quite fun, really. So, um, yeah, a bit unexpected, to be honest. We didn't expect this in the show; it wasn't planned. But so there you go. This is the Nordic Football Podcast. Anything can happen, to be quite (laughs) honest. We've had a a cat attack our host, and now we've got uh, one of our favourite followers, Ted Cruise, my son, joining the show. Let's get back into Norway, Uh, Steve, if you can compose yourself. And we have a bit of a team analysis planned on this week's show. Obviously, uh, eight games in, I'll just give a a very brief overview for those who haven't been uh, watching on Eurosport. Um, And by the way, if you are watching on Eurosport in the UK, do check out Steve's interview with uh, Tim Capel, arguably one of my favourite ever shows to listen to, Uh, a legend of the game, commentary game. I have to just give my two cents worth on this episode. That was... uh, really enjoyable for me uh tim was really really good i, enjoy, I enjoyed that a lot of that episode um steve we've got a bit of a situation here we? because you in pre-season gave buddha glimpse, a bit of a talking down didn't you they've peaked i think were well, your maybe your words uh you know they, they're not gonna make it and uh, you know what i'm like steve you, you know in the in the past i've uh called out called out Christian who have always stayed up when you called them to go down or hated on them because if I look at the table, Steve, at the moment I see, and then correct me if I'm wrong here, but I see played eight, won eight, goals scored 32, goals conceded eight, Buddha Glimp, top of the league, two points ahead of Mulder in second, and Valerenga third. Now, Buddha Glimp, Steve, that is quite remarkable, isn't it? Mm,
0: I mean, yeah, there's going to be a, a Scout blog article on Buddha Glimp coming up at some point soon, so keep you out for that. But, um, yeah, Playday 1-8, what can I say? They're playing unbelievable football. Possibly the best football from any Scandinavian side at the moment. Um, like I said, I, I thought they would maybe regress a little bit this season due to losing key players like Hawk on Evian. But it uh, just shows you how well coached they are. They're, they're, let's get first things straight. They're, they're brilliant from both a physical point of view and a technical point of view. They've got... Obviously, the players just seem full of energy. Um, there's not been much rotating of the, of the squad. There's not been many injuries, um, but they just, everyone just, it seems a really close-knit family up in Buda Glimt. Everyone's working towards the same goal. Everyone knows their tactical role as well. Um, you can clearly see the players are playing for each other out there, <clears throat> and I've been—they've absolutely obliterated some sides. I mean, I, I was shocked a couple of times, certainly when they hammered uh, Hargusson six-one. I'm like, what is going on here? Because it could have been 10. And then, but the one that really got to me was when they beat Brand 5-0. I mean, Brand, I, I before that game, I thought Brand would use their heads uh, and offer offer decent defensive resistance. And I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was, I think it was 4-0 at halftime. And again, it was another match. If it wasn't for Ali Armada that day, it, could, it literally could have been 10 or 11, even 12 goals for Buda Glim. They were just absolutely rampant. Um, I still don't think, and I said, I said, I did remember the analysis I did last year when Mjern Dahl got a little draw against uh, boudic limped away. Not enough sides were respecting them still. It's crazy. It's like teams just still want to go out there and try and outplay them and, and they give them chances uh, at the back. You've got to use your head. And even if you do that, like Christiansen did um, a couple of nights ago, they're going to get you with a special goal and they're probably going to find a way to break through you. But at least you're not going to get battered, are you? So. Uh, and really incredible team. Uh, they've got some great players. Jens Peter Hogg has been in great form. Uh, Zinchenagel. The whole team has been brilliant, and I can't praise the, the coaching staff highly enough. Um, the, the way they play reminds me a little bit of uh, sort of Lied under Underbyalter. <laughs> Honestly, they like seriously. It, he's getting players to. He's coaching players above their normal ability level. What what they're capable of, I think uh, the manager and, and the coaching staff deserve every credit in the book. He's, they're getting him perfectly uh, physically prepared and technically and tactically prepared as well. It's an absolute machine right now.
1: Yeah, really positive words of praise there from uh, Meat Man Soccer. I mean, just just looking at a couple of things, their expected goals is comfortably the best in the league. You know, by five uh, 20.71 expected goals, although thirty two scores and you know, you might argue could that regress, but. um you know, really, really comfortably uh, well clear in that respect. But I think something that's going to probably be a real encouragement to Buda Glimp fans, they actually have the best ratio of expected goals against in the league. Uh, XGA against 5.39 to their eight goals conceded. Uh, Rosenberg and Haugerson the second and third in that respect. But that is really, really good in terms of a defensive point of view as well, isn't it? If you look at last season, uh, they were one of the worst teams in the league for expected goals against they were in the bottom six and now they've turned that around haven't they and they look like you know they've, they've, they've tightened things up at the back is that something that you expect to change or have they been able to sort of um you know do you think they can sustain that because if they sustain that you know they're going to win the league basically aren't they
0: that that was what i didn't see coming um last year they played brilliant football going forward but you always kind of felt they were vulnerable at the back um but what's changed is they're dominating the ball some of the possession statistics jonathan are crazy. I think their average possession sixty five percent. In some games, it's been over seventy percent, which for Norwegian football is almost unheard of, really. Um, and last season, remember, uh, in in the tactical analysis I did, they I felt that they were better when uh, they, when they let the opposition have the ball. So what they've managed to develop over the winter and spring or whatever is is a way of basically playing with a lot more ball possession. They can break down these defensive sides now. In the end. Um, but they can also uh, dominate games on the front foot with ball at their feet, and uh, that's, that is again superb coaching uh, and, and tactics. Uh, it really is. Uh, so that's why they're not conceding as many goals because no one can get the ball off them. I mean, if you can't, if you, if you don't let the opposition have the ball, you can't really concede too often, can you? So um, that's a big part of that. I feel. And I also think they've tightened up from defending set-pieces, which was a little bit of a, a vulnerability last season. So, uh, yeah, I didn't that that is not the part of, my, of the game I thought uh, would change too much. Um, the defence hasn't changed overall, apart from right-back. Uh, Right-hand moved back to Rosenborg, who was a pretty good player. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've got to be honest with you. It's, um, it's a situation where the coaching staff, again, deserve a lot of credit and uh, fair play to them. If they can keep that sort of defensive tightness up, they're right up there. My big concern, and we might talk about Mulder a little bit, I'm not sure, is um, the long-term squad depth. Mulder squad is far bigger than Glimpse, and will they run out of energy playing it this way um, throughout the whole campaign? I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, let's move on to Mulder, and fantastic work from Buda Glimpse, and like you say, I think I echo everything you said. I um, said it before, we've had Aston and bilkan one of the technical directors on the show before, and everything they spoke about when, you know, when I interviewed him was really positive. We've had Tom Dent on the show. I think, I think they're in a really good place. Molda, uh, to be fair to them, are on their toes. You know, 22 points. Um, they've only drawn one game as well. They're still unbeaten. Both of the teams are unbeaten. So, you know, like you've just said, they've got a bit of a slightly stronger squad. Then there's a seven-point gap to Wolarenga. Do you still, you know, do you still think malda will win the league? I mean, that was your preseason prediction
0: um i i hope buddha glint win the league from here i think it'd be fantastic to see um a third different champion in three seasons wouldn't it and and the way they're playing the football is just magnificent on the eye but got a horrible gut feeling still molder might well have enough because but well, they've suffered injuries in defense this year and but they're getting around it because the squad is so massive um they've got depth everywhere they've got they can outscore pretty much any side they want on the day Buda Glimp may well need a really high points total. In fact, which either of them wins the league is going to need quite a high total because I don't really think too many sides can get close to them, to be honest, um, Jonathan. They meet on the, in round 10, which on the 26th of July at 5pm. So don't miss that game, guys, whatever you do. And, and the two meetings this season, because it, it, I don't see either of them dropping too many points, could be absolutely crucial um and uh, i wouldn't be surprised if the two meetings are sort of split 50-50 uh, over the course of 30 games you've got to back moulder haven't you i think there's less chance of, of them uh, of dropping points on a long term basis but um yeah Buddha glimpsed. i think uh, on the day are uh, the better side no doubt about it for me um in a in a one off match I would, I would back them it's just the longevity of players will they lose against halgor in the summer i don't think moulder are going to be losing players so Got a horrible feeling deep down inside that Mulder may well still have enough, but I really hope that Buda can keep cle- keep it up. It would be a fantastic achievement.
1: Fantastic stuff. And as you've identified there, there is a bit of a gap between them and the rest of the league, isn't there? Um, seven points, as I said, between Mulder and, and third place. Uh, and you, as you rightly identified that you know between them, they've only got two points. So, uh, you know, they they really are the front runners at this moment in time. Rosenborg chasing away twelve points behind them in in uh, in sixth. Uh, behind Buda, 12 points behind and 10 points behind Mulder. And then you've got Valeringa, and Brand in sort of third, fourth and fifth. But we're going to focus on a different team today, aren't we? We've got a, uh, a team you'd like to talk about uh, for the next few minutes and go into a bit more detail and that is Sarpsborg. And the big question on everyone's lips at the moment, Steve, is what are Sarpsborg doing in 12th? You know, why has it been such a bad start for them? Eight games, two games with one, one draw, five defeats. That's a bit of a deep mm. no? isn't it you've got some theories about this
0: yeah i mean we're going to talk about sarzburg in depth here a little certainly from a tactical perspective and, and and a lot of it revolves around the manager that we, we both know Mikel Stara, who uh, you know was at hecken for uh, did a good job there had a terrible stint at the San Jose earthquakes and there was generally high expectations going into this season um and what he's been doing is uh, we everyone knew he was going to use a three four3 system. Um, heading into 2020, which is unusual for Norwegian football. You don't get that. It's fairly unusual anywhere, isn't it, really? Um, but it didn't start where well. we lost our first five games. They've come back recently uh, with two victories and now a draw. So, basically, I'm going to talk about what went wrong for them in the first five games and kind of what has improved recently. Um, but when, the thing with the 3-4-3 system is it, it takes some getting used to. And I think... <sighs> There's a lot of things can go wrong in a formation like that, Jonathan. I don't know what what your feelings are here. I think something like four four two or four two three one is a lot more simple, isn't it? If you say one player's having a bad game, you can get away with it, uh, and things like that. It's a very technical system, Um, and like I say, w- one small thing goes wrong, it can kind of upset the whole apple cart, can't it? And uh, I don't know personally what you think of that sort of formation in general, but th- 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 really, I say three four three. I think one of the big problems they had in the first five games it was more like a four five one, to be honest with you. And and there was there's issues I'm going to talk about in a minute. But in terms of the general formation, what are your feelings about that in football?
1: That's yeah, a good debate. I think there's a there's a we're seeing a lot more teams in Scandinavia. Well, certainly in Sweden, and I think maybe maybe Norway as well. Like you've just said, there, there's a lot more teams going towards a three four three, three five two. I've seen a lot more of that in Sweden in the last year or two. Um, you saw a lot more four 4 2s before, a lot more rigid. Formations, you may see the odd change here and there. Uh, I can't really think of any team that's sort of pioneered it, to be honest. I, I don't really think there's a particular reason why. I mean, your garden were mainly 4 4 2, although they were quite tactically fluid, 4 3 3 at times, um, played different formations. This season, I've noticed a lot of 3 4 3 uh, type teams. Maybe it's um that foreign influence. I mentioned Atalanta, you know, team um, AIK are kind of modeling their game on that. Uh, really tactically fluid side. As I mentioned, you see Seb Larsson in right back and things like that. Um, you get a lot of positional rotation, and you're seeing it a lot more. I think you know uh, Shopping at times can play in a back five, um, which they've done, um, and you know with the fullbacks pushing up, uh, Carl Gerson and and sometimes Casta Grin. Yeah, so uh, maybe it's something that's becoming a bit more a bit more prevalent in uh, Scandinavia.
0: I think the first thing's going, and we talked about this in the pre-season interview with Jonas Groner at Olsen, because they play with a back three as well. You've got to get the right the right roles in the in, in the back five, really. Certainly the back three. And, and it was Tartsburg, generally they going with Utzvik as this what you call a central defender, sort of cover defender, the sort of the last line of defense. He's got a bit more pace about him. And then you've got usually sort of Nikolai Ness and Jurgen Horn or maybe Manya Odegaard will we'll join him on, on the back three. Uh, Thomason on the left-hand side, sort of left wing-back, left midfield. He's, for me, one of their top players. That is a big strength of the system. He's been the main, the main guy. They've got issues on that right-hand side for me. And, um, I mean, before I go to that, I'm going to talk about Uhtovic because I was looking at some scout stats and, and his problem is he, 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 he loses too many challenges, both on the ground and in the air. Um, he's too inconsistent winning the ball. So I'm not actually sure Utvik suits a, a, a five-man defence. So that's my first concern there. Right wing back—it's been Bojang, a mixture, mixture of Bojang, Linseth, or Odegaard—and they're not getting any creativity from that right wing back position. In fact, to such an extent, I think he's almost the manager's almost shut that side down and said, "Right, we will make that side more defence-minded, trying to get it to the right winger, whereas we focus on the left-hand side for for, for more attacking purposes." And Thomason, Thomason's has done well. But then you've also got a problem, and it's 3-4-3, three, three, where you've kind of got a left midfield or a left wing-back, and a left, and then you've got a winger higher up. Sometimes I've noticed on positionally that they have been too close to each other. And that just – players are getting in the way of each other in that regard. And the same point in the midfield. Things haven't improved in the midfield since they brought, brought a guy called Ishmael Koulibaly in. And he was one of the players to watch, his um, quite a few uh, sources out there. This season wasn't on my own list, but um, since he's going into the team, things have been much better in midfield, uh, more physical presence. Um, So they've had issues. And the final one they've had is getting the striker Jürgen Strand-Larsen into the game. Um, Everyone knows he's the king of the preseason, but he never really does it in in the main season. He was far too isolated in the first five games, I felt. But as soon as he's come a little bit deeper and kind of closer to the the wingers or inside forwards, whatever you want to call it, and they've got him into the game a lot more, Things have improved there. So it's it's, 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 um, it's a tough system to learn. I think it's that's one of the main problems this time is they slowly. slowly. Um, but the signs are things are getting a little bit better.
1: Fascinating stuff, yeah. And I think, you know, just on your point there, you know, I mentioned there's quite a few teams playing that in, in, in Sweden at the moment. I think I Malbi mean, have tended to, to uh, change things at times. They've got a bit of a 3 system. Uh system. IK Sirius as well, who are doing quite well this season, I've seen playing in that sort of system. And one thing I've noticed, even, I think it's just a general point, but you do I definitely agree with what you say there. You do need a um you need decent ball playing centre backs, to be honest, to be able to really work that system. I think, you know, you know, just from talking about Sirius, they've done quite well this season. But I, you know, I watched them against the Audible and I, I was screaming out at the T V screen. You know, you need you press like you need to press their that you know, they had a sort of right sided centre back, I won't name them at this moment. I mean obviously you can look it up but um without wanting to criticize him but he was a pressing track waiting to happen you know on the ball he was a bit clump, clumsy and i was just screaming at the tv like if you want to win this game just press that just press that center back you know immediately um maybe with the right winger they had jack lane on the left wing and jack lane is super quick you know he, you could have him pressing that defender putting them under pressure like liverpool do so well don't they um and then winning the ball high on the field and that's the problem isn't it with the three at the back you need you need you need good ball playing center backs because you're essentially replacing um, a midfielder or forward for a, for an extra centre back, really, aren't you? And so, if you're going to get out of your situations, if you're playing a three at the back, you need someone who can actually bring the ball out. Um, otherwise, you've just got three people lumping upfield, field, which is you know going to work defensively. But then, how do you build your game? Yeah, it's, it's a fascinating observation. I mean, they lost. Uh, Southampton lost their first, as you mentioned, five games of the season. Um, let's pick things up a little bit now. Where do you see it going from here?
0: Um, well, I think they've been lucky to have a couple of easy games. Sanderfield and Stark were nice pick-me-up fixtures. Um, I didn't actually watch the match against Starbuck tonight. I was uh, out doing some cricket practice, so I didn't see that one-all draw, but it looked like statistically they were pretty solid again defensively. That hasn't been the problem. They've generally not been too bad in terms of uh, chances conceded. Expected goals in the first uh, five games there, they had 6.93 expected goals and they only scored three of them. Obviously, it didn't help that they missed a penalty in that period, but you're right about the ball-playing defender Utvik, um, the, the the guy the cover defender I've been telling you about who sits right in the middle. Um, he's been looking for that long ball over to the striker Jurgen Strand Larsen, but it just he hasn't been connecting with that ball. So it's like is the is it has he got the technical quality to, to 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 land that pass? You know the accuracy of pass. I'm not sure it's there. Um, but the big positive for them is uh, Thomas on the left-hand side, left wing back, He he's a superb player. I think he, he's perfect for this system. They could just need a really good, if, it, if he's going to make improvements going forward, they've got to get a proper right wing back who suits that role. And then they could really progress then, uh, I must say. But at the minute, it's let, there's certain things in this system that's letting it down. And because it's such a technical and complicated system, it can lead to a huge mess. Um, you know, it's 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 a nightmare in that regard. But if you can get the right players for the right role, I do see potential here at Sasborg. But uh the minute it's tricky, uh, you know, that it feels like the chances are falling to the wrong players. They need to get Stranelaars more involved, even more. He's only had one goal. They need to get him more involved than, than he does. I think he plays better in a strike two partnership rather than one, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I think you're you're correct there. And uh, it's, it's a fascinating discussion. Yeah, I mean, I, I, just to mention as well, I've seen Calma play a three four three with you know, forwards. In a bit of a lopsided position, 3-4-1-1-1. One, one, one. So, yeah, there does seem to be some tactical innovation in, in these two leagues at the moment. And um, as you say, with the lack of positional resources in terms of finances, it, it means that clubs are having to be maybe a bit creative in some of their you know, positions of players, isn't it? Maybe players playing in situations they've not necessarily, necessarily done before as well. Um, but that's a fascinating discussion there. Steve, I want to move on to um, the relegation battle because it's a bit of a odd situation there isn't it and I don't mean odd the odd BK the football club is their fourth but I mean it uh, the newly promoted teams are not having it all their own way are they and to be fair to you that's something you call in pre-season I see Sandefjord 13th um, so it looks like they maybe have done a little bit better than you expected but then you've got Viking 14th starting 15th then Arlison 16th what, what's your takeaways from the bottom half of the table so far after eight games
0: it's been an, it's been a disastrous start for the newly promoted teams really sanderfield to the, uh, the worst side on paper as well so i think you've got to credit the manager to, for having 10 points on the board they've got a really good manager in marty sifuentes um but um all of a sudden have been a big surprise in a bad way a lot of people thought there'd be a dark horse this year mid-table comfortably hasn't worked out it just feels like defensively they've had too many shocking games um, I noticed um, Tom Dent did a very good uh, piece of tactical analysis on the uh, website that Ben Wells uh, is, is operating at the moment. Uh, it's well worth a read, uh, I must say, for anyone interested. Uh, dissects Olsson's issues defensively, um, and again, his problems. Again, it's, they're playing with a three-man backline, three-five-two sort of system, three-four-three three sometimes, and it's not easy, is it, at this this level of football to implement it? Going from the obosley the game where they're dominating games. Suddenly, teams are punishing them on the break. But I'm a bit worried for Allison now. They even lost against Sanderfjord 1 0. They didn't look like scoring. I mean, that's the one thing you'd say for Allison. At least they would re- retain some sort of attacking threat in most of their games. But it's like they were so tame in that loss against Sanderfjord. I'm really worried going forward for Allison and Lars Bohinen. I'm sure he can sort it out, I'm sure he can solve the issues. But it's definitely bad. And as for start, well, they just, they just don't look like Elite Assyrian class to me they are glimmers of hope at times, but too, offensively, they missed too many chances and defensively, too many mistakes. And they see a lot of late goals as well. I mean, they picked up a good draw against Rosenborg tonight on the night of recording here. But look, two of them three are definitely going to finish in the bottom two for me. Uh, it's as simple as that right now. It's a question of who. I wouldn't be surprised if all three finish in the bottom three. Um, I just think it's just hard, isn't it, coming up from the, the gap maybe between Elite area and, and, and Obos League is bigger than some people think.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned Arlisson there. Just uh, in a word, should uh, Arlisson keep Lars Bohinen? yes or no? Because I think, I saw a, a debate on Twitter saying...
0: Yes, pa- pa- yes pa- I would keep him myself. I think you've got to give him the whole season. But I'm shocked myself how bad things have been there for them defensively. They've got to sort something out.
1: Yeah, OK. So you're in the Team Bohinen camp. Uh, you've also written a great White Hat blog about his son, I think. So, um, uh, yeah, looks like uh, interesting times for Alisson Just looking at the expected goals in uh, Elite Assyrian, and you got Rosenborg, Haugesen, and Sanderfield at bottom three. So, it's terrible times for uh, Rosenborg in terms of expected, G- expected goals, XG. Um, and then you've got Sanderfield, of course, that you said they're doing quite well, but maybe. Maybe they're going to, they've only scored six, but they're going to, you know, maybe, maybe they're getting results, getting the best out of their abilities, like you said. And as I mentioned before, unexpected goals against um, the worst teams are Arliss and Viking and Strums Godset. So uh, maybe there might be a correction there in the weeks to come. But uh, Arliss and rock bottom. I think that's about all we've got time for on the Nordic Football Podcast this week. Um, we've got some quite big games coming, haven't we, Steve? But, uh, you know, maybe we'll have another show soon. We've, we've been planning some team analysis, analyses, haven't we? and i think that's something we're going to explore we may even be looking at doing it on twitch but we haven't decided yet so um yeah we've got a few things off our sleeves
0: yeah maybe make it a bit more interactive like the sarp thing i was just doing there it would look certainly look better on a video or something along those lines so uh, it's something we look forward to uh, down the line but there's so many matches coming up yeah i'm sure we'll have a podcast again very soon but uh yeah so much to discuss it feels like we've only scratched the surface at times and there's been so much going on here but um
1: yeah, and I think uh, we've got the transfer window coming up soon as well. Even it seems like crazy, doesn't it? But we're about to hit. I the time you know, it'll be halfway through the season. So, um, yeah, a lot a lot to talk about coming up in coming weeks. Thanks a lot for everyone's support. Um, any final words, Steve? Where where can we where can the listeners follow us?
0: They can follow us on Twitter and Nordic Foot Pod. Subscribe to the YouTube channel channel as well. I do apologise for those who've been after some of my fantasy advice and stuff. I haven't been able to keep up with it. It's been so manic that and so crazy with some of the rotations in the 11 that it's almost been a, become a game of potluck at times. So I do apologize. I will try and post something. when it when it becomes one match a week. I'll be mean, it be a lot easier for me to keep uh, going. Um, but yeah, obviously a thanks big thanks to uh, Cooper for coming on to give his uh, uh, some uh, thoughts on Rosenborg. It saved me slamming them as usual, hasn't it? So a
1: uh, different a different person to get on Land's back. <laughs> I think, um, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, you do, we'll let you off because you did such great YouTube videos on our Nordic Podcast YouTube channel. You did such great fantasy season previews, so we'll let you off for that one. Um, hopefully, we'll be back soon. I think we're going to try and have a more regular schedule in the next few weeks. And, you know, there's a lot to say, really, about a lot of these teams. That I just wanted to mention as well, like Hammerby and Hammer B, you've got an AIK, by the way, in the bottom five for uh, XG Against in the league. So that just tells you just to revert back to Sweden quickly. You know there's some weird things happening in in uh, in Scandinavia at the moment, but uh, we wouldn't have it any other way. I think the league is actually getting a lot of more respect and admiration in recent weeks. I've noticed a lot of a lot more people um, tuning in and a lot more people kind of paying attention. So um, yeah, the Nordic Football Podcast is the place to be uh, at Nordic Foot on Twitter uh, at Meatman Soccer to follow Meatman himself at JF Football. Uh, it's built in the South American way to uh, follow me because someone else took JF football, which is quite annoying. But, uh yeah. Or just, at just football. This is probably a bit easier. Uh, we'll be back soon. And don't forget to subscribe to the show. And we're also on patreon.com slash annoyed football podcast. If you would like to, you know, buy us a beer or something like that to get us through these recordings when we are hijacked by the likes of Ted Cruz, A, my son. So uh, thanks so much to uh, Steve for joining us as well. And we'll be back. For an episode quite soon, won't we, Steve?
0: Certainly, will. Thanks very much uh, for listening, everyone. Take care, stay safe, and goodbye.
1: Goodbye, all.